Could I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5? And if you're using one of the church Bibles, it is page 1678. We're going to look particularly at verse 21 this morning. As we've been seeing the past few weeks, to live the Christian life as it's taught in the Bible, being filled by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. Let's not be afraid of that. That is biblical. Being filled by the Spirit is not for special Christians. It's for every Christian. And it doesn't, first of all, have to do with amazing spiritual gifts, which is the emphasis today. It has to do with what? Singing. Verse 19. Singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. It has to do with thanksgiving, verse 20. And then this morning, it has to do with submitting. I don't know how you react to that, but it doesn't sound very spiritual as we tend to define spiritual, but it is so spiritual. This is the fruit the result of being filled by the Spirit. This is what he does. Of course, we live in a world where the idea of submission is abhorrent. It's reprehensible. Today, it's all the emphasis upon rights, personal rights. Totally the opposite of the idea of submission. So many parts of the world, there's rebellion against authority. We're living in a very selfish world where people are out for number one. And yet, it is the character of the Christian life, one of the great, beautiful <coughs> characters, submitting to one another. So Ephesians 5:21 says, "Be filled with the be filled by the Spirit, submitting verse 21 to one another out of reverence for Christ." Simply what I want to do this morning is to explain what those words mean. There's submitting to one another. What does that mean? And what does it imply? And then there's the reason, the motive, why we do it, out of reverence for Christ. And I want to tell you what that means and implies. Looking at these words, then, first of all, submitting to one another. If you just look at that in English, it can easily be taken that every single person should submit to every other person and that's to be 
reciprocated. That's what it can sound like. And uh, it would seem to have support from a few other verses of the Bible, especially if you have the older versions of 1 Peter 5.5, 5, where it talks about submit uh, to one another, although in uh, more modern versions that's not there. But you have uh, phrases in the Bible like, look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Uh, count others as more significant than yourself, Philippians 2.3. Serve one another, Galatians 5.13. Or here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And I want to be understood this morning that there is truth, very important truth, that as we relate to one another, everyone to everybody else, we must be thoughtful, considerate, courteous, deferent, respectful. Those are very important Christian qualities. And so as Ephesians goes on to say, having said that wives should submit to their husbands, husbands are to love their wives. And of course, you know what that means. It's not simply a fluttery feeling. It's giving oneself for one's wife as Christ gave himself for the church. What a standard. But, please, you have to listen carefully. There are people who have taken this idea of submitting to one another further. And they have said that because everybody submits to everybody else, there are no authority structures. And they interpret Ephesians 5, 22 and following, accordingly. And so they say, just as wives are to submit to their husbands, if you can imagine somebody saying this, husbands are to submit to their wives in exactly the same way. There's totally mutual submission. Now, as far as I know, that's a new view. And it's a view which has arisen, I think, because of the changes of thinking in the world, what is called egalitarianism. The basic error in interpreting the scripture is to go to a verse or to these words, submitting to one another, lifting them out, imagining what it can mean, finding some support somewhere else, like 1 Peter 5, 5 or those other verses that I read, and then reinterpreting everything that follows in the light of what you have done. You know, it sounds good, doesn't it, when somebody lands on a verse, then immediately they take you somewhere else in the Bible, somewhere else in the Bible, and they import that meaning to their original verse, and then you find the Bible gets 
reinterpreted against the context and the words that are there. This is the method of the cults. It's not enough simply to quote the Bible. We've got to interpret the Bible in its context. So that is what I want to do with you this morning to begin with. How are we going to interpret this then? Submitting to one another. Will you first of all look at the structure of chapter 5 of Ephesians verse 18 through chapter 6 verse 9? Please don't say, ah, this is uh, just scholarly or something like that. Uh, It's quite simple. But so often we don't look at the structure. When you write something, wouldn't you like people to look at your flow of thought and connect one thing with the other? Well, certainly you do it with the the Bible. Verse 21 is part of verses 18 to 21. It's all one sentence. It depends on the command of verse 18. Be filled by the Spirit. And there are three results of being filled by the Spirit as we've gone through it. Verse 19, singing. Verse 20, giving thanks. And verse 21, submitting. When you go down to verse 22, which says, wives, submit to your own husbands. It's very interesting that as Paul originally wrote that, the word submit, the verb submit, doesn't appear in his writing. He simply says, wives, to your own husbands. Assuming that you, of course, read verse 21, which talks about submission, and so assuming you're going to import that verb in as our translations do. And so from chapter 5, verse 22 of Ephesians, Paul starts a discussion of three relationships that involve submission. (laughs) Wives to husbands. He always starts with the uh, uh, submissive member. Then chapter 6, verse 1, children and fathers, parents. And then chapter 6, verse 5, bond servants and masters. It's interesting, isn't it, that, I don't know about in... In Britain, but in Kenya, how often is Ephesians 5 and say verse 25 read at weddings? And yet the context is very rarely taken account of. So Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is a bridge between what's gone before and the following verses. And it's saying to us that being filled by the Spirit works itself out not by submission in general, but specifically in those three relationships which form our life. The home, the family, parent-child relationship, and work. That's where being filled by the Spirit reveals itself. So then the second thing I want to say is the meaning of the word in verse 21, submit. What does it mean to submit or submission? Well, I want you to think 
of a regiment of soldiers. There they are in ordered formation, marching. Each soldier is part of a group under a commanding officer. Surely you've all seen Trooping the Colour, haven't you? On television, if not uh, personally. And there they are. And every one of those soldiers does not what he wants to do, but what he's commanded to do by the sergeant major who's calling the tune. When someone becomes a soldier, you say, I submit, I voluntarily submit to what my commanding officer will tell me. In terms of my activity in the, the forces, I'll no longer determine my own life and activity, what I do, where I do it, and how I do it. That's submission. Therefore, the word submit is always in the context of being under authority and willingly yielding to that authority. In the word that Paul used is a, a prefix, hypo. I looked it up and there are well over a hundred words that we use in English with the prefix, hypo, H-Y-P-O, that mean under. I don't know if you can think of one. Actually, I actually had to rack my brains to begin with. A hypodermic needle, a needle that goes under the skin. So that's the very idea of this word. You are under authority. And the word is used as our duty towards civil authorities. Remember we read in 1 Peter chapter 2 and... Verse 13, be subject, the same word, be submissive for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Have the same in Romans 13, 1 to 7, and Titus chapter 3, verse 1, the duty of submission to those who in our society have authority over us. It's used for uh, our duty to submit to church leaders, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 15 and 16, and uh, 1 Peter 5, 5, although that might be even more general, uh, because the word for elder in the Bible means older men, as well as those who are in positions of leadership in the church. Younger are to submit to the, the uh, elders. And then the church submits itself to Christ, Ephesians 5 and verse 24. And this word is never used in any other way. Nowhere does it say in terms of this word that husbands submit to wives or parents submit to children or masters submit to slaves. It's grotesque, isn't it, even to imagine that. But remember what I said earlier. There are very demanding 
responsibilities upon husbands, verse 25, upon fathers, chapter 6, verse 4, and upon masters, chapter 6, verse 9. But it's not this word submission. So then let's also look at these words, one another, submitting to one another. And as I said earlier, it might appear that it means everybody's to submit to everybody else. But of course, that's impossible because when you're under authority, you have that certain relationship to the one who's over you that can't be reciprocated. And anyway, one another doesn't necessarily imply that. Galatians 6 says, uh, verse 2, that we're to bear one another's burdens. And that means there are some people who have burdens and other people who can uh, bear those burdens. Uh, elsewhere it says they slaughtered one another, Revelation chapter 6. Clearly, that's not every single one doing that to every single other person. I want to repeat that if you take the word uh, submit in a much more general sense, then there is that sense of mutual submission, although it's not because we're under authority. We are to serve one another in love. Every Christian is to serve other Christians in love, Galatians 5.13. Even rulers are called servants to those whom they rule. Let's take it higher. Even Christ became a servant, didn't he? That great passage in Matthew 20 where he says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life. But of course, we wouldn't want to suggest that Christ is under the authority of the church, would we? Or that somehow Christ is under my authority. That's blasphemous to think that way. So here's the conclusion that believers whom Paul is addressing here in Ephesians, believers are urged to be submissive to those in authority over them as the evidence of being filled by the Spirit. Now, let's make application. Are you here? Are you, are you there? Let's make application. There are relationships where you must submit where God has put others over you. Our equality in Christ doesn't mean there are no more relationships of authority in which we should submit. Because many have wrongly interpreted Ephesians 5.21 and that great text in Galatians 3.28, there's no male or female in Christ. So they use that, you see, to obliterate really everything that Paul says here in Ephesians 5. God has ordered our lives, brethren, so that there are structures of authority. All are under God. God is the supreme authority. 
even the most powerful ruler, even the Neros of the Roman Empire, they were only under God, Romans 13, 4 and 6. Even that great king, Nebuchadnezzar, he found out that he was under God, didn't he? When he exalted himself and said, see this great Babylon that I built. And he was struck down to eat grass like an ox to show who rules in the kingdoms of men. The most basic structure is the family where the husband is the head. Ephesians 5 verse 23. There's the church where leaders of the church are to be submitted to. And there are the structures of government in our society. Many of them where Basic duty of submission is required of us as Christians. There's a hierarchy, isn't there? There's God first. And so if there's any conflict between what I'm required to do by a human being in authority over me compared to what God requires me to do, then I must obey God rather than man. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, when they were told, don't preach in the name of Jesus and the resurrection anymore. And they said, we must obey God rather than man. So it's not an absolute submission. It's first a submission to God. Even if I must disagree, I must disagree not in anger and rebelliousness, but in humility and respectfulness. Now then, there's a great attack today, as I don't have to tell you, upon God's order. There's an attack, a very, very great attack in our society on the family it's not just true in Britain. It's true there in Kenya. Excuse me, referring to Kenya. Where all the emphasis is on empowering women to be independent from their husbands and it's destroying the family structure. Of course, we have the great rise of single parenting. We have uh, same-sex marriages. All these things are an attack on God's order in the church, most churches have women as leaders, contrary to what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2. How often do people move from one church to another when they don't like what the leaders have said or done? When the Bible says, submit to your leaders. You're not going to agree with everything. And there's great attack on society. There's a general lack of respect, isn't there, for those in office. The Bible tells us very clearly, 
honor the emperor. The emperor wasn't uh, democratically elected and they generally were pretty wicked people. But the Bible in Romans, in 1 Peter says, honor the emperor. Give honor to whom honor is due. So why is it necessary to be filled by the Spirit? Well, it's because of the great difficulty of this beautiful character of submission. Worldly propaganda is so powerful. The pressure to accept the uh, seismic changes that are happening in our society is strong. It comes at us from every corner. The redefinition of marriage. The feminist movement that's behind so much that's gone on in the church. The abhorrence that people have of the word submission as if it's something degrading and unworthy. These are direct attacks on the scriptures upon us as Christians and we need the Holy Spirit in order to do what God says. And then, of course, there's the power of sin within. Because at the root, sin is disobedience. That's how it started in the garden, wasn't it? Don't eat of that fruit. They ate. They disobeyed what God said. They rebelled. The idea today that it's too easy to imbibe as Christians. We're the captains of our soul. We'll do what we want. What I, what I think is good for me is what I'll follow. And if I submit, it's only because I think it's good for me. So we need the Spirit to give power to stand against the torrent of opposition and even to suffer ridicule and to do it with genuine humility and joyfulness. So let's look at the second phrase in this verse because here we have the motive for this submission. It's out of reverence for Christ. Every time Paul commands submission, he gives something like that as a motive. In chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Back in chapter 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This motive of reverence or fear of Christ is common in the Bible. It's common in the New Testament. We are... God-fearers. We are Christ-fearers. Work out holiness in the fear of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2 verse 13. Hebrews 12 again has the same emphasis. We don't Submit because of culture. 
We don't submit because of tradition. We submit because of our relationship to Jesus Christ. Culture changes, my friends. We, we know that. We've come from Nairobi to Liverpool, and it's a different culture. But Christ is the same wherever we go. And as a Christian, my basic relationship is with Christ. And I want that relationship to prosper and to glorify him. I want to honor him. I want to fear him in the sense I have the deepest respect for him. He's my Lord. And I want to do his will because I know it's best. So let's, let's just work that out in terms of application. Why should we submit to one another in those uh, relationships where there's an authority structure? Well, first of all, my Lord Christ. He's taught me to submit by his word and his example. Already quoted where he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Matthew 20, 28. As a child, listen, you children, as a child, Jesus submitted to his parents. Luke 2, 51. There's nothing demeaning or unworthy or objectionable about the submission of a child to a parent. If that's what our Lord Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, did. When the authorities demanded the tax, he paid it, didn't he? He didn't say, ah, the authorities are unjust, or what about the poor? He paid it, and if you read Matthew 17, you know where he found the money. He didn't lead a rebellion like Barabbas. It's every reason for rebellion, you know. Society was terribly unjust. But Jesus was one who will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. Not a, a rebellious person. He taught me to submit. And then, I want to please my Lord Christ by doing his will, don't you? He gave himself for me. And I find myself indebted to him in such a way that whatever he says to me, I'll do it because he tells me to do it. Do you remember that time when David longed for the water from the well at Bethlehem? 2 Samuel 23. He was from Bethlehem. And three of his men overheard his wish. Bethlehem was then uh, under the control of the Philistines. They had a garrison there. And these three men, mighty men, at the, the peril of their lives, went and got water for their Lord, their earthly Lord. Because he wanted it. That's our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? How different from the world 
that wants to be the center of attention. Christ is the center. And then, thirdly, I don't want to grieve him. I love him too much. Christ's reputation is in my hands. People don't see Christ, but they see me. And they see Christ truly or not truly in me. I'm either a good representation of him or I'm a bad one. And if I'm not submissive where I ought to be, then I'm a bad one because I'm not following his example. I'm the light of the world. That's why Paul, when he went to Corinth, he's got very strange words. Here's the great Paul who you think could argue his case anywhere and triumph over anybody. He tells us, I went to Corinth with much fear and trembling. And I think what he means is, I knew the temptations were upon me to compromise, to be worldly, but I was afraid lest I should dishonor my Lord Jesus Christ. Love for him becomes such a powerful motive, doesn't it? And then there's a fourth thing that out of reverence for Christ means. I know that I've got to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Do you know that? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. I'm going to be judged by what I've done. What should I expect? If he's spoken to me, he said, I am your loving Lord who died for you. This is what I want you to do, but you've not done it. What would you expect? This is not justification by works, but this has to do with rewards on the day of judgment. Can you imagine looking into the eyes of Christ with shame as Peter had to do when he denied him? So we talked this morning about the third result of being filled by the Spirit. It's submitting to one another in those areas where there are authority structures specifically. I'm bold to say to some of you that you have a problem, if you do, with submission because you first refused to submit to God. This is a fruit of submission to God. If you can't submit to God, how can you truly submit to anybody else, whatever position they may have? Now, in this world, you have good reasons for not submitting. They're not good enough, but they look plausible. Oh, if only you knew what my husband was like. Well, First Peter 3 will answer that one, but it's the reason people give. My employer is harsh. Well, Ephesians 6 from verse 5 will answer that one. The government's corrupt. It's coming more and more to light, isn't it? Those things all have truth in them. None of them are reasons for not, submission, not submitting, by the way. 
But can you say those things of God? Can you say that God is bad, that God is harsh, that God is corrupt? So what reason do you have for not, first of all, submitting to God? He made you. Everything you have, he's given to you. And you don't deserve any of it. Even though you've sinned against him in his mercy, while you were in rebellion, he sent his son to save you. And even though today perhaps you just pay lip service to him and you refuse to bow the knee fully to him and you're still determined to live your life as you want to, still he's bringing in his grace his gospel to you that you might believe it and be saved. Why would you refuse to submit to God? He promises you abundant life now and for eternity and those of us who are Christians we're not saying we have no problems as Christians but we have tasted of that life which only Jesus Christ can give we have forgiveness of all our sins our consciences are cleansed what a blessing that is we have his presence with us every day and we have strength even if we're called and when we're called to go through the valley of the shadow of death he's with us to give us all the grace that we need and then there's the promise of eternal glory why would you not submit to such a good and kind and gracious and loving and patient and forgiving God because of the rebellion in your own heart. This is where it begins, my friends, and I close by saying to you, there's a day of grace, and that's today, for all who will to come to Christ, to submit to him as Saviour and Lord, but there's also a day of judgment when the day of grace comes to an end. And then, for those who have refused to submit to God in Christ, he will say those awful words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Let us pray. Lord, please send your Holy Spirit that by him we might be enabled to live lives of joyful singing, of heartfelt thanksgiving and willing submission, first to you, then to those whom you put in authority over us. Please grant it for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.